Hello, and welcome to the AI Spectrum Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Kane. In this series, we explore a wide range of artificial intelligence topics from all across Siemens and how they are applied to different technologies. Today, I am once again joined by Dr. Justin Hodges, an AI ML technical specialist and product manager for SimCenter. Welcome, Justin. It's good to have you back. Hi, Spencer. It's my pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk about AI. Great. So before we jump right in, can you give our audience a little bit of a refresher on your background and your work at Siemens? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I've had the distinct pleasure of working at a lot of different parts within Siemens, in the Health and Ears group and the Energy group, and in this case, the DISW group related to software. So my uh, background basically with Siemens starts at the beginning of my master's degree, um, where we worked for Siemens Energy for their design correlations in turbo machinery. So my background and research focus at the time was heat transfer, turbulence, fluid mechanics, CFD, uh, physical measurement, stuff like that. And then I fell in love with AI in 2017 with my first professional experience in the healthcare group where I was doing CFD and um, imaging combined into um, machine learning models and things like that for better diagnosis of a, a COPD lung condition. And then since then, I pretty much decided that I wanted to infuse machine learning into my existing research area and focus uh, for as long as possible and develop that way as a professional. So since then, I started uh, full-time at the conclusion of my PhD at Siemens uh, DISW. And then I've uh, been working uh, until until now, you know, to still do the same thing of including machine learning into CAE as much as possible. And I work within the product management group for our portfolio of products at SDS. It sounds fascinating. It looks like you've had a very broad depth of experience with AI and a huge number of different fields. Yeah, it's part of the rich, richness for sure. I really enjoyed it and I love what I'm doing now. So always happy to talk about it. Great. Well, to guess to start things off then, to talk about AI some, how do you see the increased adoption of AI, which you know enables a kind of a new level of interconnected technology affecting the design and simulation industry at large? Yeah, that's a good question. And there's a lot of subjective parts in there, but you know, take it with a grain of salt. I think some elements there are probably on the right track, but you know, I think I'll start with probably at some point you know, with, with GPU technology picking up and really enabling these parallel calculations for the core AI and ML research groups and um, you know, that, that, that those huge advancements were made in, in the algorithms and the technology uh, and are still happening today. But somewhere, I don't know when you'd say, 2017, 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, there was also a huge pickup in um, the cross-pollination, if you want to call it that, where you take the advancements in machine learning and then you translate them into other applications and industries and disciplines. So uh, that would be, you know, where we're at today in terms of CAE and aerodynamics and acoustics and autonomous driving, all these other areas um, outside of just core algorithm development research and improvement and the techniques and things like that. And so since then, in that 17 to 19 range, you know, you see all these types of different methods being infused into uh, all the other industries for automotive and aerospace and marine and, and CPI and basically all over the place. And it's a really fun place to be as a commercial provider for software, considering that those are all of our customers and industries that we're, that we're focused on with the huge, you know, breadth in the PLM life cycle for the different products that we produce. Um, 
but a huge number, I guess, to, to drive beyond just our engineering space of um, CAE, you know, more broadly, just the global AI market. You see that there are um, global market estimates of tens of billions of dollars in terms of how large the global AI market is. Now, again, I'll emphasize that we're just a sliver of that, right, uh, in terms of CAE, but, you know, that number is growing. And we're seeing that on average from a business perspective, those uh, markets are growing with compound growth rates of in the 20s, 30s, and in some you know, institutions estimate uh, 40 percentages. Um, so that 20 to 40 percent range in terms of the growth, which is an enormous amount of quick growth. Yeah. So there's a huge thrust on that side and um, some publication related numbers. Uh, in terms of academia and that sort of thing, because that can also indicate kind of where everything's moving. Um, you know, you take like a, a society like, you know, the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, a tried and true sort of like very familiar organization, right? They're, you know, they're on the order of like 500,000 publications since inception in like the late 1800s, I think. Um, and then if you compare for scale in 2019 alone, all disciplines, all industries, etc., you know, the amount of publications on machine learning um, globally was 100,000. And basically... Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, right. So really, there's a thrust on the industry side, on the um, business, and I guess you could call it like investment side of things to see how you know, technologies are affecting economies and markets and things like that. And then as well on the academic research side. So it still seems very much full steam ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've got AI just... It's kind of in every industry, starting to kind of flow into every industry, just kind of connect with everything. And there's some degree of cross-pollination where, you know, a technique from one discipline is helping someplace else and being applied to something else. Can you, is, is that something you can talk about more? Like that idea of kind of cross-pollination, interconnectedness? I know, obviously, we talked about tools individually gaining AI and ML as, a, as an ability or as a benefit. But how about that, that cross pollination, that interconnectedness, especially with, you know, the use of AI with the use of ML for that kind of technique, that kind of interconnectedness itself? Yeah, two great points. Um, on one front, um, cross pollination. So, you know, maybe like the silly sort of way that's full of fantasy that you'd read in like a book or something is, you know, the philosopher or scientist is like having his, his or her lunch underneath a tree and then realizes, oh my gosh, the, the branching patterns and, and way to distribute nutrients through the tree and the tree limbs looks like the long, you know, trachea and way that the trachea branches and maybe oxygen's flowing in the same way and you're inspired from something completely separate, right? You know, but that's just kind of a silly example. But in terms of cross-pollination, um, in terms of in terms of techniques, I guess there's a lot of structure in the algorithms and in the approaches in machine learning. You know, the original motivation, I guess you could say, was like to Im imitate like modalities and mechanisms with our own nervous system and brain and things like that. Um, and we've deviated from that, of course, at some at some points. But you know, there's there's structure, and then it's kind of like the laws of physics. So you know, we're used to Navier-Stokes. We're used to boundary layers and different regimes for you know, viscous or inviscid. And we have this like structured way of thinking. And I think a good way of cross-pollination is sometimes when that structured way of thinking is, is, you know, used in a machine learning framework. And then we learn new ways to structure 
you know, our correlations or our design trade-offs and stuff like that. Now, in terms of interconnectedness, I think about that from a software provider point of view. And in our case, you know, for me, a portfolio of products that I'm interested in putting machine learning into. Um, you know, I think there has to be ultimate connectiveness at the end of the day. Um, you know, because companies don't just use don't just use one software to design like a car or, you know, a piece of hardware or something, right? They're going to use several to do, you know, thermal, aero, uh, acoustics and things like that and, and system level beyond just a single component. And so I think the good way to approach like this digital executable digital twin mindset is when you have those independent sort of uh, ways to study and simulate and generate results on performance, you know, you have them able to share data with one another and into say like a common platform. And that is the ideal way that, um, that a machine learning model can be positioned between the two or several products and uh, take that information and make meaningful insights and, and inquiries whenever people wanna make predictions. And so, okay, that sounds all well and good and, and esoteric, but specifically we have some examples of that. Like, yeah, sure, right. But you know, for example, you know, you can do CFD and like Star Simpson or Star CFM Plus and you get these really detailed 3D flow field type results. But of course, you know, there's plenty of people in the world that don't really focus on that. They focus on system level simulation. So the thing that they may simulate in CFD is a component, but they're really looking at that component amongst a bunch of other ones um, in a system. And nominally, you know, you'll have better accuracy if you do a detailed simulation on one component than if you use like a, a lower fidelity approach or like a correlation or like some empirical laws as the component, like sort of, um, you know, predicting for a single component in a system like AIMSIM, uh, a system simulation software like AIMSIM. So in Star CCM Plus, for example, you can export these uh, results and models that you create that are basically surrogates that summarize the performance in Star CCM Plus, and you can export those and import them into things like AIMSIM or ROM Builder, which are two other products that we have uh, at SimCenter. And so in that case, it's a really good way to have interconnectedness between different disciplines, different software. And essentially the result is you can do really detailed simulation and incorporate that into a larger global system model and not suffer, you know, the usual consequences and penalties to accuracy when you do system level simulations. And so those are some, those are some examples. Well, so these models you're exporting, are these like um, machine learning models or AI models that you're taking out of um, Star CCM Plus and putting into AIMSIM or ROM Builder? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you can make these surrogates. They can be based on neural networks. They can be based on right response surface models, linear regression, some uh, more common things five years ago than machine learning. So, you know, I think about it like transfer functions, which are another thing that most people have taken in like a, a feedback controls class or feedback design class in undergrad in uh, coursework where you, know, you have an input signal, you have an output signal, and you have some stuff in between. And essentially, you know, in feedback uh, control sort of classes, you learn that you know, certain circuit diagrams you know, allow, like could exist, and then there's correlations and, and equations to calculate what the output signal is based on the input. And uh, in this case, it's kind of the same framework where I run CFD result to say, get like a drag value, and I know that I have certain independent variables that influence that, like, you know, the spacing of some geometry, the diameter of some piece, the Reynolds number, stuff like that. Um, and then that's kind of like the analogous 
uh, representation of this feedback controls example I'm giving as a metaphor because you have an output signal drag and you have input signal like the independent variables. And so yeah, you have these function, functional mockup units, FMUs, you have different ways to export that relationship uh, from your simulations and then use that relationship in other places. Um, and so, you know, the goal is, you know, right now we have ways different software like StarCCM Plus and RomBuilder and AMSIM and these things can communicate. But of course, the goal is more and more communication and easy sharing of, of uh, results and models based on results back and forth so that other software can use it. And that's, you know, that's a big goal of SimCenter. And that's a huge tenant for, for uh, machine learning. Well, that sounds extremely valuable. So it sounds like it would even kind of be a bit of a shift then in the way that you would be using these tools because obviously now you have access to higher quality simulation, better fidelity, all of that kind of stuff in tools that historically wouldn't have been able to get access to that easily. Uh, so I guess what I'm kind of asking here is how do you see that changing the design and simulation process? Like what kind of effect do you see this level of integration, this level of accuracy into being connected to each other having? Yeah, it's a very profound um, sort of question to ask and implication to look at. And I think you can look at it at a very high level, right? You know, a lot of people like watching the Super Bowl. Uh, last year in the Super Bowl, probably 30 commercials from different automotive OEMs on electric vehicles. And I'd say, you know, maybe half of them today at the time didn't even have any single electric vehicle out in the market. So it, it shows that a huge urgency is um, to shorten design cycles and to produce designs that you're going to go with and manufacture faster. And so, you know, obviously you want to save on cost and obviously you want to have safe designs. But I think a huge one as well is faster time to market. And so when you have these models that you can make that summarize these relationships of the design inputs and the design outputs, you know, you can take advantage of transfer learning and things like that where, you know, maybe I design a car in 2020 and then in 2021 I design a slightly different car. It's a huge head start on your schedule if you can summarize those inputs and outputs from your 2020 exercise into the next year when you design the similar but different car. Obviously, you have to do that with some intelligence and, and sort of intentional setup, but uh, nevertheless, like those things are becoming possible and used in practice. And also, I think it makes people sleep better at night because the design process in a lot of industries is really serial. You know, like if I want to design, I don't know, a turbine or something, you know, I start with a bunch of low fidelity simulations that, you know, gradually after I do using software number one, then I use software number two, software number three, et cetera. And essentially the complexity gets upped every time. And therefore, you know, so does the runtime and computational expense. And maybe when the aerodynamics team is done, they pass it to the next discipline, like uh, the mechanical and the thermal teams. When they're done, they pass it to the next team. So this is an inherently a really serial process. And yeah, I think uh, it's not, it's unfortunately common across all industries that somewhat towards the end of a long, you know, two or three year design cycle, when they're doing these things in serial, they realize, oh no, <laughs> this isn't going to work. And they start back backing up to the previous team. And before they know it, they have to kind of go to the earlier parts of the process to change the design and then propagate it again through the serial chain, you know, again. And that's that's not a good way to do things. So, yeah, and it's a super practical way to approach things. So it may sound, you know, like it's not a good thing to do, but in reality, it's a very practical thing. Things have been practical way things have been done for a while, you know, like all, all kinds of industries. So where machine learning can play a role is you know, imagine you had this information from past designs and current designs from different teams, 
codified into a callable model or a callable sort of um, program where essentially when I'm doing my arrow calculation, right, I can get quick inquiries, you know, really fast from other teams and their uh, models that they build over time. So I can get a sense on how attractive and suitable these designs for other teams criteria, you know, that I may not have much familiarity in. So it really helps make this more of a parallel process. Um, you know, one of the huge trends in the market for AI is uh, system and database management and knowledge management. So, you know, that's essentially what you have with these large companies and medium-sized companies is a, a network of information from different people, different countries, uh, different teams, different software, different disciplines. And uh, machine learning can really play a role there at um, providing, you know, useful summaries and suggestions and call-outs when you're doing this design process from that information in a summarized way. Well, that sounds like it'd be extremely useful to kind of parallelize the or parallelize the design process, um, and that you're really taking these ML and these uh, AI models and kind of capturing the accumulated design experience, the knowledge that year by year these teams are building up, and that is kind of encapsulated in these designs that they are creating each year. And that is that is that accurate? Would you say that? Yeah, that's the ambition, and that's that's partly why I open with you know, stating that my background is, is something Newton would be happy with, right? Physics, thermodynamics, math, engineering, uh, in a mechanical and aerospace, because I realized that those principles are so powerful. So I'm not trying to say, right, that we throw those things away or that we make Newton very unhappy by just summarizing things mathematically and then forgetting about, you know, just treating everything as a black box. So, you know, that's the ambition. Nothing's perfect. There's always going to be things you have. There's always going to be gotchas when you try to do this. And you're going to have to do this, you know, uh, in a well-studied way, right, to make sure that it works properly. But there's definite value that can be there. Uh, and we've seen it. So um, I think that's a, that's a big trend right now. Like you said, this impact on the, on the delivery and, and project schedules and stuff like that. Thank you, Justin, for that great answer. But unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Once again, I've been your host, Spencer Kane, and this is the AI Spectrum Podcast. Please tune in for the next episode, where we'll be continuing this discussion. Mm-hmm.